you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Rommel. We've got a great show today. Giannis is talking about getting a jumper. The Rockets and Clippers are looking to add to their star-studded rosters, and Team USA takes a hit for the upcoming World Cup. But let's start in Los Angeles, where Anthony Davis told reporters at his introductory press conference that he would put the Lakers roster up against anyone. After missing out on Kawhi Leonard, the Lakers filled out the roster with guys like Danny Green, DeMarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook. David, do you agree with Anthony Davis that the Lakers could beat anybody in a best-of-seven series? I think the bigger issue is whether or not they could beat anybody in that city within a seven-game series. I, I, I mean, at this point... You look uh, across the way there at Staples Center and you look at the Clippers roster and they may have a better roster than the Lakers do. I I can understand where he's coming from. Like, obviously, it's an introductory press conference. There's been this whole dramatic uh, saga taking place over the last year, basically, where he's trying to get to this team and, and, and his agents forcing their way there. And he's lost a lot of goodwill in the process. And now that he's finally a Laker... Uh, he has to be encouraging. He has to be as optimistic as possible. And I like the moves that they've made. I know that they were looking to add a third superstar. Didn't quite work out that way, obviously, as Kawhi Leonard joined the Clippers. But at the same time, they did add you know, some pretty solid veterans around the, the duo of LeBron James and, and, and Anthony Davis. So it's not a bad team. It's not a, a, a bad composition. And I actually like the way that this roster stacks up pretty well. They've got some decent pieces there. They've got some players that can play a small level of defense. They've got some nice passing. They've got some good shooting in the form of Danny Green and others. So it's it's a solid roster. I'm just not quite sure how it's going to work out. Like, I still have questions on how the Davis-LeBron combo are going to work. Already Davis is saying that he'll only play center if he has to. I don't see Frank Vogel trying to force Anthony Davis to play more at the center position, given well, how, how Vogel has been a little squeamish about forcing players into positions that they're probably better suited for in the first place. I, I mean, mm. I remember in Orlando, he had a hard time putting Aaron Gordon at the four and tried to shift him over into the three spot, and that was disastrous. And so I wonder now whether or not he'll have the kind of backbone to tell Davis, no, you're better at the five, and, and LeBron, you're better at the four at this point in your career. So although he'll be playing, as we've heard, point guard starting this season. Um, no, and I agree with you. I think, how does this roster fit? And and that is the biggest next question for this team. The first question was, can you get Anthony Davis? They went out and did that. They got Anthony Davis. It's a successful offseason, period. Sure. Right? It, can't, you can't, it cannot be a failure as an offseason. I think people that are coming out and saying that the Lakers completely botched this thing are kind of missing the point. Like They went out and traded for Anthony Davis. And now we can argue whether or not Anthony Davis forced his way to... They still got it done. They added Anthony Davis to a team that didn't have Anthony Davis. They get some credit for that. I'm not sure how much, but they do get some credit for that. And then you have to wait to see what Kawhi Leonard is going to do. They did believe that they had the inside track on Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi obviously ended up going to the Clippers, but you it's worth waiting. It's worth waiting it, and letting some of these other high-level role players go to other places if it means you have a if if it means you still have a chance at Kawhi, so you had to do that. I don't I don't think that was an issue. They go out and add guys like Danny Green, who maybe they overpaid a little bit for, but they needed a guy like that. Sure. Marcus Cousins was a solid addition. You bring in Javale McGee. I don't have a problem with that center rotation, especially if you can play Anthony Davis there for a few minutes. If you could just get Anthony Davis to play center at the end of games, I don't really have a problem. I don't care where he plays in the 
for most of the game, right? If you could just get him there in your closing lineup, I think that's the goal. Rondo, I don't know how much he's going to play if LeBron is the starting point guard. We'll see. But I like guys like Quinn Cook, other guys. Like, they filled out the roster with real NBA players. There are real NBA players on this team. I thought they did the best that they could. And given the landscape of the NBA, it's all duos right now. And I would put the LeBron and Anthony Davis duo up against any other duo in the league. I really would. And but it's and not just got the duo, those though, two right? guys. It's not just the duo, though. That, isn't that but the it issue? starts with them. Well, and I think that that gives them... All I'm saying is that that puts them in the... That, that gets them in the door. And so I really don't have a problem with what Anthony Davis said. I think that that roster is as good as, as any other... I, I don't think that that roster is notably worse than any other roster in the league. I don't, I don't look at this thing and say, yeah, the Clippers are just head over heels better than than the Lakers. I don't see it that way. I mean, you can make an argument that Jazz have more distributed talent across their roster. Whether it's, not, it's not necessarily centered on... And we saw that work in Toronto last year. Right, yeah. But it, Toronto also had Kawhi Leonard, and I don't think the Jazz have anybody like that. Well, yeah, no, I guess uh, I guess you don't have value Joe Ingles as much as most people do. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I, right. I, I see your point there. I, I guess it does start off with that too. I, I think there are also lingering questions that are probably being overstated regarding LeBron James. Like he had his arguably the worst season of his career last year. Maybe not. In, uh, it's inarguably the worst season of his career. He didn't play much. But it was still like a what was it twenty eight seven and seven or yes, something like that. Solid it was production. Still questionable defense and I think he was just yeah. not engaged for most of it and, and for good reason um, so I, I think there are some lingering questions there I, I, you know I just I wonder how all the different players we've seen in the past that it takes time for players to adjust playing alongside LeBron James I remember you specifically wrote something a couple of years ago on, on the Cavaliers roster how it took every player some time to get used to LeBron James and now you're talking about not just the, the players on the periphery, not just role players, but a significant superstar in Anthony Davis and learning how to adjust to, to the world around LeBron James. That's going to be a significant adjustment and, and not necessarily one that's going to be seamless. We figure it's all going to pan out, especially by the time the playoffs roll around. But up until that point, there will be questions. There will be moments there where you're going to say, wow, this roster does not look as good as it would be expected to. And although some guys like McGee and, and Rondo have experience and Contavious and, and, oh, that's about it, I think, have experience playing alongside <laughs> LeBron James, I think it's still going to be... Caruso? Yeah, wow. Sorry, you're right. I know Alex Caruso is a folk hero of sorts, but I, I don't know how much value... Oh, Kuzma, I guess, is uh, another and, name. And look, I, I think your point is... is... The fact that it's going to take a while for the for everybody to mesh. I think we're seeing that across several teams across the league. Right. Because so half the players change teams this year. It we're see, we're going to see a lot of that. But your your point is that it's harder when LeBron is one yes. of the guys. It's more than just how do you play with LeBron. It's how do you exist in the world of LeBron James. And I think that's a really good point. And we've seen we've seen that in the past it takes a long time but i do think by the time the playoffs roll around the lakers will be fine i'm not saying that they're the best team in the west i just i feel like a lot of people are negative on the lakers offseason i just don't see how that could be possible they added anthony davis they have a lot of good nba players there are questions no doubt like who guards like who plays center in defensive lineups i don't know like how much is rajon rondo going to force his way onto the court i'm i don't know there's some real issues that they need to figure out, and Frank Vogel's got his work, out, uh, his work cut out for him. But ultimately, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and that's as good as a, a duo that there is in the league. You could argue that they've got two top five players in the league, 
And I don't think another NBA team has that. It, we, I know we all love what the Clippers did, but Paul George is not a top five player. Like, with just in a vacuum, and I know that's, it's not necessarily fair, but we'll end the segment on this. Would you rather have LeBron and Anthony Davis, given all of the baggage, you know, you can LeBron, how healthy is he going to be, everything like that. Would you have, rather have LeBron and Anthony Davis or Kawhi and Paul George? Just those two. I'd probably prefer the Lakers do, to be honest with you. Yeah. And like I said, I know it's not... That's not fair. You know, the Clippers have a really good roster built around them. But um, like I said, it gets them in the door. Let's take a break here. But coming up next, how Giannis intends to improve on an MVP season. You're listening to Locked On NBA. For the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all of the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA's free agency. Follow along on Twitter at Locked On NBA Net. Okay, David, it's time for buy or sell. Let's start in Milwaukee, where Giannis and Tinnakumpo recently told ESPN that he had reached only 60% of his basketball potential. In front of fans over the weekend, he said, quote, I've got a lot of things that I can improve on in my head. When I say that I'm only 60%, it makes me want to improve. Obviously, I can add a jump shot to my game, end quote. David, are you buying or selling that Giannis has only reached 60% of his potential? I am selling, Wes. I, I think that 60%, as Giannis himself points out, is a kind of made-up number there. I think it's one kind of you, – you don't want to show too much arrogance, even after he's already won the MVP this past season. At the same time, he's acknowledging that there are holes in his games, and I think 60% seems like a low enough number there where you're kind of – create this artificial humility. I, I, it's not to say that he's mm. not, well, I don't know if humble is the right word. I think he, like he said, he acknowledges that there are holes in his game and he has to fill those. And I think the jump shot is a big step there. But he's also 24 years old. I'm not sure how much more, if he becomes a lethal 40% shooter from three-point range, does that all of a sudden quantify an extra 40% increase in his uh, athletic ability or his basketball ability? I know these numbers are all made up, and I understand what he's trying to accomplish here. But at the same time, I don't buy 60% as the figure. I think he's closer to probably 80% of the player that we could potentially see. And given that he can add a jump shot, he can tighten his handle a little bit and maybe work on some you know peripheral things a little bit. I could see that there's room for growth there, but I don't know that he's going to make this incredible leap where we're only seeing half him being half as good as he could potentially be. I got D's in math classes huh. all through high school and college, so I'm not going to just I'm not going to sit here and start doing math and trying to break down percentages. The most percentages that I do, the most math that I do on a daily basis, is trying to figure out tip at a restaurant, hmm. and that I only have to go up to twenty percent usually. I'm a generous tipper. That said. This is crazy. Like, there is no way that he is only... If he is... Let's just say, hypothetically, that he is only 60% of his potential. We're talking about the greatest player in the history of the league. Easily. If he reaches 100%, right? Easily, yes. At 24, I mean, if he continues to go on this path and gain another 40% level of quality there, I I don't even know what that could possibly mean. I mean, he's he's shooting like Steph Curry from the perimeter, and and he just adds, like... Shack like post moves. I, I don't know. I have no idea what that looks like. That said, nobody thought he would be as good as he was today. Nobody thought that. And so I'm not going to doubt him in any... You you pointed it out correctly. 60%, 75%, 83% doesn't matter. He's not reached his full potential. That part I buy here. And I appreciate him for that. And given that the jumper... The jump shot is the most important skill in today's game. And that he doesn't even have that. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it does equate to something like 40%. I have no idea. Again, I'm not trying to do math today. All I know is that if he gets a jump shot, and I have no reason to think that he wouldn't, then he's going to get a lot better. And that's the craziest thing. He just won the MVP award and deserved the MVP award. And he's not even close to being as good as he could possibly be. That, to me, is the point here. He can get a lot better. And for my money, I would say that he does get a lot better from here. The Rockets and Clippers continue to be the two teams most interested in signing Andre Iguodala if he gets bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies. But according to the Athletics' Shams Charania, talks between the teams are at a standstill. Mark Stein from the New York Times recently reported that Memphis is looking for a first-round pick in exchange for Iggy. David, are you buying or selling that they could get that kind of return for a 35-year-old forward? I am definitely selling on this one. If the Rockets and Clippers are the two teams most interested in adding Iguodala, both of those teams just gave up an incredible future worth of uh, you know first-round picks to acquire either Paul George or Russell Westbrook. There are no picks left for either of those teams, I think, to trade for, especially not for any, a player like Iguodala. Like, Iggy's a nice fit. I can understand the perspective of wanting to add a veteran player with championship-level experience, some occasional clutch shooting, and, and some pretty solid defense when healthy. But I don't know that you're giving up a first-round pick. I, there's a need for him. I think that at this point, Memphis realizes that they're trying to get whatever they possibly can for Iguodala. But more realistically, if they're not willing to kind of bend on their or, uh, on this first-round pick uh, incentive, they'll probably just keep him on the roster for the rest of the season and then oh, maybe wave him at some point when it's closer to the, the trade deadline or something along those lines. I'm selling that they get a first-round pick for him, unless it's one of these... Really, really highly protected first and, then and what's end up the point, just then? transitioning to a second rounder. Yeah, I, the point is that you could tell your fans that you got Andre Iguodala, for, you got Andre Iguodala and a first round pick from Golden State, and then traded him for a first round pick. So if you're a front office, you get yourself a nice little pat on the back, and your fans laud you as you know wizards. But you know it might ultimately again be one of those picks that are protected for picks one through twenty eight, and then <laughs> turn into two seconds in twenty twenty four or something. But uh, I don't doubt that they could do something like that, but overall, I also don't think that Andre Iguodala will finish the year on Memphis. He'll find a way to get himself out of there. We've seen players just... He's got no reason to be there. Memphis has no reason to have him there. You know, you could sell the team on, well, you know, he's a good veteran presence, championship culture, blah, blah, blah. But if he doesn't want to be there, none of that stuff matters, right? He's not going to all of a sudden be the greatest teacher in the world if he doesn't want to be there. You know, he just becomes that disgruntled teacher who just, you know, puts on videos in the corner of the classroom and just sleeps. Oh, I love that teacher. They don't want that there. Uh, I think he eventually forces his way out of there. Maybe he ends up on Houston or the Clippers or the Lakers or some other team, uh, but I don't think he finishes the year in Memphis. All right, last one. The Cavs waived J.R. Smith on Monday before his contract became guaranteed for next season, something that we all expected to happen. David, are you buying or selling that J.R. will find a new team next season? I'm buying. I, I think... I think that there's I, the problem with Jr. in Cleveland wasn't necessarily his ability. I, I think it just it wasn't a good fit for the roster. They were trying to experiment with different players, and um, you know he was getting paid a lot of money, and he was also somewhat problematic as far as a locker room presence concerned. But I could see a, a team you like the Clippers and, and especially like the Lakers trying to add a player like Smith. And and you know to what we were saying in our first segment there. You know, JR is a player who knows how to play alongside LeBron James. He's a good friend of LeBron's. He understands how to win a championship with LeBron. So if you're looking just to shore up the roster a little bit, add some capable long-range shooting when available, when healthy, I think JR is a nice fit. And uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to be able to add to a 
that kind of shooting ability to a veteran laden roster that's already competing for a championship. I want to go back to Vegas. I want to go to the Caesar Sportsbook. I want to put all my money on J.R. Smith signing with the Lakers within the next couple of weeks. I want to put all of my money on that because I, it's got to happen, right. right? It makes way too much sense. The Lakers could use they either have an open roster spot or they can easily clear an open roster spot. Like it's already done. I'm not reporting anything, but it's already done. This is done. J.R. Smith is going to play for the Lakers next year. I see no other way. I don't know what other team is going to sign J.R. Smith. Maybe the Warriors. The Rockets. They actually have a need for a guy like that. The Rockets. Yeah. Th- those are the teams that we're talking about. But J.R. Smith, LeBron's going to call up J.R. Smith. Hey, L.A.'s great. J.R. Smith's going to say, I know that already. Let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. This is done. This is a done deal. Let's take a break. But coming up next, Anthony Davis won't play for Team USA in the upcoming World Cup. Is that a problem? You're listening to Locked On NBA. Anthony Davis has decided not to participate on Team USA during the upcoming FIBA Basketball World Cup. Instead, he is opting to focus on his first season with the Lakers. David, is this a big deal? No, I kind of waffled on it a little bit. I, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized it probably wasn't a big deal. Uh, I think, obviously, the USA roster should still be talented enough where they can handle any challenges in the World Cup. It's not the Olympics. I understand that. But it's still the FIBA World Cup. Uh, it's in China. Um, they'll be heavily favored, as usually is the case. But they're going to face some tough competition from European teams and others around the world. And it's great to have a player like Anthony Davis. We're already starting to see shades of what happened in the, in the early aughts before the Redeem team, where you kind of see players start to say, you know what, I don't want to be part of the roster because I had to concentrate on this, that, and the other. And that's a little problematic because you always want to be able to send your best teams together because we've seen that the level of play around the world has risen pretty highly. And those those are legitimate challenges. Those are players that play regularly with each other uh, a lot more than the USA players do. And so while they may, there may be more talent on the USA basketball, there may not be necessarily the same kind of cohesion and fit that you see around the world. And so it's a concern. As far as D- Davis you know, individually is concerned, this was a great opportunity for him to kind of reestablish some goodwill there. You know, I think he was, I don't know if he was necessarily beloved. I don't know if he necessarily had the incredible fan base that other players of his caliber have. But at the same time, he could have been, taking that step to establish that with a a strong showing in the summer and then to follow that up with an even greater regular season. And, you know, for him to kind of take that step back, I'm not sure that it pays off. Like, to be honest with you, I understand that there's a need to kind of figure out how to play alongside LeBron and to kind of work on that roster. But, like, isn't the experience of the FIBA World Cup and playing against some of the top competition around the world – better than any training that he could potentially do to, to improve him, you know, his standing during the regular season. Like, like what training is he going to do individually away from FIBA that is, that matches the level of play that he would have faced in the world cup? No, I think that's a good point. And if the idea is just get into a gym and run pick and rolls endlessly from, you know, eight in the morning to five at night with LeBron James and just practice that over and over again. Okay. Maybe do we think that they're doing that? Yeah. No. And and I think the biggest thing here is, is is Anthony Davis, if, if, okay, there's two things to talk about here. What this means for Anthony Davis in the NBA, and then what this means, obviously, for Team USA. Well, let's start with Team USA here. Without Anthony Davis, then your starting, your starting center, I guess, is Andre Drummond. Maybe you can play Kevin Love at center. Miles Turner is going to be on the roster. Mm. That's kind of it. Right. 
Uh, I, I, you know, Brooke Lopez, I know, is participating in training camp. Maybe he gets a call up now that Anthony Davis is out. I imagine so. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to affect their chances all that much. But you could make an argument that Anthony Davis, you know, they've got James Harden on the roster. Damian Lillard, I think, is on, yeah, Damian Lillard's on the roster. But you could have made an argument that Anthony Davis was the best player on that team. And they don't have that player anymore. Um, I don't think it will ultimately affect them too much. But I think your concern is is fair. I think your concern is fair that this thing is sort of dwindling down here and might you know be what whatever the roster was, whatever the state of Team USA was before the Redeem Team. We we're kind of inching back closer to that. Right. But then, from a larger standpoint, it, this kind of just reflects everything that's going on with load management a little bit, right? If the idea here, that Anthony Davis, he hasn't been as injury prone as people say he is, but he dealt with some injury issues, especially earlier in his career. And and maybe there is a little bit of this. Let me take the summer off. You know who's not on the on Team USA? Kawhi Leonard, and he only played sixty games in the regular season, and he just won a championship. So I think the load management thing here is in play, and we could see that eat into future Team USA rosters going forward, right? Yeah, no doubt. So it is a concern. I think that that is it is absolutely a concern. As more and more stars say, you know what? I don't really want to deal with it. It's cool. I think ultimately. You know, you can form bonds on Team USA. We've seen that happen. We've seen bonds formed at Team USA actually impact what happens at the NBA level in free agency, uh, most notably with the big three in Miami. We've seen that happen before. It's good for that. It's good for sneaker deals. It's good for merchandising. It's good for marketing and all of that kind of stuff. But if you're Anthony Davis and you just signed with the Lakers, how much of that do you really need? You know, you just signed with the Lakers. You're playing with LeBron. I think you have as much marketing as you could possibly want at this point. So I get it from his standpoint. And if the goal is to win a championship... Sure, we just saw it work for Kawhi Leonard. Take games off. Don't play more basketball. If you don't have to play more basketball, that's kind of the idea. And this stuff doesn't really count towards the NBA. So um, I'm concerned, but I don't I don't blame Anthony Davis at all. Well, no, I, I guess you're right. I mean, and, and that's kind of why I took that step back and said, you know what, I understand. Uh, it's just... I like seeing players become involved in this. And I, and I, I mean, maybe it's somewhat overly nationalistic or anything like that, but I like seeing the, the best of the best represent our country at times like this. And I know that's a little archaic in, in, in my way of thinking. And a typical even for me, but I, to be honest with you, I, I do appreciate it. And I don't know, and that's the whole thing too, is I just, I also don't know how much wear and tear that legitimately puts on players like if they're going to be practicing over the summer anyway and we know that they practice like you said maybe it's a little bit of an exaggeration to think they're going to be you know working on, on picking rolls for 24 hours a day but they're going to be doing some high level of training and, and, and is it really all that different to be playing in those games in the world cup as opposed to you know the training sessions that they're going to be doing over the summer isn't that still wear and tear couldn't it potentially be just as much wear and tear? I mean, considering that mm. you're going to be... You could argue that they don't have to be flying all around Europe. That's Well, that's a good point. And they just go down the street to their gym. But no, it's a, it's a fair point, right? These guys practice all year round, but maybe they're just not going to have, uh, you know, going up... You have to travel all the way to Europe and going against China, that kind of competition actually. that's a little bit more familiar. China. China, sorry, China. Uh, it's even further, see? So, there you go. <laughs> That's it for today. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on NBA on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review, and thanks for listening.